Right now, let's go to Second Chronicles chapter twenty-five. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-five, and I'm just, we're just going to really read two verses. But I'm going to give you a little background on what's going on here. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but Amaziah is the king at this time, and Amaziah he was going to go fight a battle and. He was trying to figure out what to do and he went to the Lord. And the Lord told him what he wanted to do. And the Lord told Amaziah, I don't want you to take the men of Ephraim with you to battle. The men of Ephraim, they were one of the tribes of Israel, but they were also very wicked and there was a lot of wickedness that was going on with this tribe during that time. And so Amaziah had already paid them he had already given them, I think, 300 talents of silver or something to fight with them. And then he really kind of insults them when he says, we don't want you to go to battle with us. And of course, that upset them greatly. But And it was a hard thing for Amaziah to do. But God had told Amaziah to do this. And Amaziah, he did the right thing. I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, if you're going into battle, don't you want as many people on your side as possible? And can you imagine if you're going to go into battle and you've already paid these people to go fight with you and then you have to tell them, uh, we don't want you fighting with us. Not only are you kind of creating an enemy, but now you're going to battle with less help and kind of another enemy. But it was what God told him to do and Amaziah did it and they were victorious. And we're going to, now we're going to look at verse 14. It says, Now it came to pass after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites. Okay, they went and slaughtered them. And it says that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed himself down before them and burned incense unto them. Okay, the people of Seir, they were the ones they were fighting in that battle where God told them not to take the Ephraimites. And they go and they defeat these people and they steal their gods. They steal their images and He brings them home to Israel and He bows Himself down to them. He worshipped those people's gods. And then the prophet, he comes to him here in the next verse and he asks a very good question that I want to ask all of you tonight. And he says in verse 15, it says, Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? Real good question he asked here. Okay, think about it. Here you have Amaziah and Israel with God, the one true God on their side. God tells them what to do. God gives them victory over the people of Mount Seir who worshipped some false gods. I don't know which gods it was that they worshipped. But He goes and takes the gods of the army that loses and He worships them. It doesn't make any sense. And the prophet comes to him and he said, why are you worshipping the gods that couldn't even deliver their own people. I mean, think about that. This doesn't make any sense. His God just gave him victory over this false God, and then he goes and worships the false God that lost. That doesn't make sense. I mean, don't you all want your God to be the best God? 
Wouldn't you want to pick the God that wins and that's that's always victorious? But the truth is, people many times, Christian people, I'm talking to Christian people now, I'm not talking to lost people, but I want to ask you, why keep trying what has never worked? If you're saved today, you were saved by Jesus Christ. You were saved by the true God. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can give real victory. He's the only one true God. I'm just going to assume tonight that everybody in here is saved, that everybody in here knows Jesus Christ is their Savior. But yet, even though we have churches that are full of saved people, many times they're tempted to go after other gods that are not even given victory to the people that serve them the most. Their most faithful servants, their most loyal followers, people are... Christians are turning from the one true God to follow after gods that don't help anybody. And it really makes no sense. I mean, in the beginning of this chapter, Amaziah is obedient to God and won the battle. But when he comes home, he worships the gods of the people that he just defeated. It makes no sense. And many times, Christians, we do the same thing. And some of the gods, these words, they well, I don't worship any false gods. Well, listen. The devil—he's not—he's not stupid. All right, he knows how to work with different cultures and things. And in our culture, we're not real big on going and kneeling down to statues. Okay. Now, a lot of people are into that, but most of the people in America, I would say, probably aren't into that. But we—but a god, it can be anybody, or it can really be anything that you serve. Anything you place before God. The first of the Ten Commandments: Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay, it talks about gods with a little g, but really there's only one God, isn't there? One true God. There's only one God with a capital G, but there's many small gods. And whether there's some actual being, whether a demonic being, uh, I don't believe there's a Mount Olympus, that there's a whole bunch of gods on there. You know, That's all mythology. But there are gods that often tempt us and will get us turned from Christ will get Christians out of the will of God so they can go after a God that if you just look at who His most devoted followers are, it makes no sense that we go after them. But we do all the time. One of those is the God of fame. The God of fame. You know how many people leave the will of God just to try to be more famous so they can have that notoriety? I mean, just look at who their most devoted followers are. You think about that Hollywood crowd that's out there. And just the amount of unhappiness you see. The fact that these people out there, they cannot stay married. They cannot stay happy. Many of them, I mean, on drugs and addicted, I mean, alcoholics. Many of them, these people who are just as famous as can be. People that everywhere they go, people are snapping pictures of them and just have all that fame. People still, they, they, they're miserable and yet people still want that. They'll pursue that. You think about all these child stars. I just saw some ad on the internet. I didn't even read the article about Miley Cyrus that she's finally admitting that she needs help. And sure enough, I mean, we all saw that coming back when she was, you know, innocent little Hannah Montana. We saw that coming. That's what happens to all these child stars. But you know, there are still parents out there. There will there are still mothers out there that will do whatever they can to get their little girl or little boy famous. 
I mean, they will sell their kids to Hollywood so fast. They will spend thousands of dollars and do all kinds of work to try to get their kid famous. And all you have to do is look at these other kids who've gotten famous and say, wait a minute, that God has not been good to them. I mean, you listen to these kids. I was, I was watching them one time about the Brady Bunch, about those kids. And I had to quit watching it. Their lives were so wicked and horrible. While they were those innocent little Brady kids, they always listened to their parents. And you know, or if they didn't, they felt bad afterwards. Those, those kids were wicked. I mean, and they weren't happy. I mean, many of them they they turned to drugs and alcohol. I remember watching, you know, I mean, the the Full House kids, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. I mean, those poor girls, uh, they they look horrible. I'm you know, I remember watching the one, you know, Stephanie Tanner. She became a drug addict and you know came out of it but the god of fame is horrible to his people is absolutely horrible i mean we could just start naming all these people that have died of drug overdoses you know rock rock stars movie stars their god is horrible to them fame is it what it does to people is terrible and yet people go after it all the time and you think why do people do that and i, I th- the biggest reason i think people go after those gods is one Satan? Okay, it is Satan. It the God that got him. I guess you could say the thing that took him down was that desire for fame. You think, well, how how, how is that? Well, go to Isaiah chapter fourteen. Isaiah chapter fourteen. How did fame get to Satan? Well, first of all, these people that are famous, they can never get famous enough. I mean, you look at some of these people, they will do anything to get a little more popular. If they're not being talked about in the news, if they're not on the front pages of all the magazines, they will do whatever they have to do. They will do whatever lewd act they have to do. I mean, some of these actors will go on movies and will just do disgusting things in front of cameras because it will get them a little more famous. It will get them a little more popular. And it will get people talking about them. And you can say, well, they're already famous. They're already what they call A-listers. But you know what? The God of fame can never be satisfied. And Satan, think about it. Satan, he was the most beautiful and the greatest of all God's creations. So shouldn't he have been satisfied with where he was at? I mean, of all God's creations, he was the greatest... But there was still one above him, and that was Jesus Christ, God Himself. And notice what He says in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which should weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He wanted God's place. There was still one that topped him. There was still one that was one above him on the charts and in popularity and in power and he couldn't handle that. He wanted to be the guy on top and he got lifted up with pride, was not content with where he was at and he fell. He was kicked out of heaven. And he gets people with that all the time. They want to be a little more famous. They want to be the biggest and best. And the God of fame is horrible to His most devoted followers. And yet people will leave the one true God to follow after that God. I think about the God of money. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. The God of money. 
Now listen, there's you know, money itself is not a bad thing. Okay, you know, having a lot of money does if, if you're rich, it does not necessarily mean that you are wicked. But the God, but the money you can definitely say is a God. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. It's talking about you know money or possessions. It's clearly something that people are constantly leaving the will of God for to pursue after a God that is also very horrible to His people. That is a very controlling of His people. But First Timothy chapter six verse six says, "But godliness with contentment." Is great gain. If you really want to have a lot and be satisfied with it, try to be godly. Live as much like Christ as you possibly can and be content with what you have. The Bible says that's great gain. If you live in a shack, but you're living the way God wants you to live and you're obedient to Him and you're content with what you have, you are better off than the richest person in the world. Because you have something that they can't get from their God, and that's contentment, fulfillment. They can't get it. In verse 7 it says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. All the richest person, all they're going to have when they die, for all those riches, is maybe a nicer tombstone than you. I don't know about you, but I'm not real worried about what my tombstone is going to look like. I don't get to enjoy my tombstone. But that's all you end up with a little pot of ground. And a tombstone. That's it. And it says, um, verse 8, and having food and raiment therewith, let us be content. If you're clothed, if you're fed, be content. It says, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, which is a trap, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Right there we see that money, that God of money is horrible to His most devoted followers. but And God is good to His most devoted followers. The more we are obedient to Him, the more we're like Him, the happier, the more fulfilled, the more contented we are. But people, many times, they get to looking at that other God that is terrible to His people. Think about how many rich people there are out there that are addicted to alcohol and drugs and that are committing suicide and they can't, they just can barely make it throughout a day without some kind of substance to help get them through it. That's how miserable they are. Their God is horrible to them. It controls them. They're so worried about hanging on to their possessions. And if they, I mean, they will, they lose their families. They have no time for their family. They have no time for the house of God. They have no time to think about their soul. And they go and will give their entire life, every, everything they have, to the to hanging on to these possessions, I mean serving these gods. I mean they're they're more devoted to their god than we are to ours. They work harder for their god than we do to ours. And what do they get out of it? Misery, and ultimately an eternity in hell. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man into the kingdom of heaven. Their god is horrible to them. But yet, it seems like sometimes as a pastor and as Christians, we got to try to, I mean, just do all we can to hang on, try to get people to hang on to the true God and not go after that God that's terrible to His people. 
The God that's always being defeated, that only brings misery, it's hard to believe we're even in competition with that. It's hard to believe that Amaziah even considered worshiping these other gods. It makes absolutely no sense. And the prophet asked that question. But we keep trying these things. They've never worked for anybody else. I think about the God, just the God of power. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. <clears throat> it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Now listen, I'm going to say it again. There's nothing wrong with possessions. There's nothing wrong with trying to save up, trying to think about your future, trying to prepare. But notice this man had everything he needed and more. I mean, this guy, he's got so much, he's like, I'm going to have to tear these barns down. I'm going to have to build bigger ones. I need more room to hold on to everything I have. Okay, now think about it. Especially back in these days. Why does he need more? He's got everything he can need for the rest of his life. He says, I'm going to build these greater barns and I will say unto my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. This guy's got everything that he could need. Why more? Why does a guy with a million dollars need two million? Or why does a person with a billion dollars... Okay, I don't know if we, you realize we can't spend a billion dollars. All right, I mean, with our with the normal things that we need, you can't buy. If, if you had a billion dollars, you're not going to be able to buy too much food to spend it all. You're not going to be able to buy too many clothes. I mean, that's just that's an insane amount of money. Okay, why does a billionaire? Why don't they when they just get there say, "All right, I'm good. I'm retiring." Why do they keep on? Can anybody tell me why do they have to keep trying to get more? It's an addiction, and what are they ultimately? And they're, like I said, they can't help it. It's it's got them. Okay, they are servants to these gods, and really the only thing I can think of that they're trying to get, it's really more power. More power. I mean, I guess really the richer you are, the more businesses you own, the more people that are kind of under you and dependent on you. It's it's all about power. But really, the more people you have, that's only going to make you, I would think, more stressed. That's more stuff that you have to worry about. And But people, they want that power. You think about how many of these millionaires and billionaires, they go out there and then they run for president. Okay, And... Honestly, I would think the only reason you want to do that is just power. Hey, I've already made more money than I'll ever spend. What next? President of the United States. Be the most powerful man on earth. And I and you know, maybe they maybe they're doing it because they just want to serve their country. But I don't know. Sometimes I think these people are just power crazy and just addicted to power, serving that God of power. And let me tell you, he's not good to these people. I mean, I just saw another thing. We've all seen it before. We've seen, and I'm not saying it's bad to want to be president. Somebody's got to do it. All right. Thank God there's people that want to do it. But look what it does to them. 
Look how much they age in four and eight years. It's it's rough on them guys. Remember Abraham Lincoln, same thing. You look at some of those pictures from when he became president. For just those four or five years he was president at the end, man, he looked like he was ready to go. I don't think he wanted to in the way he did, but it was hard on him. Because let me tell you something, power, it is brutal to people. And listen, I, I want to be responsible. I want to do what God wants me to do. But you know what? There's, I, I've, I've seen enough with power. I'm not necessarily looking for that. I want to do as much as I can for the Lord as, as pastor of Liberty Baptist Church. I want our church to do as much as we can. But you know what? I, you know, some of these pastors that pastor these huge churches that have these gigantic ministries and things, I don't necessarily covet what they have. Okay, if the Lord blesses, we expand. I'm not going to say, hey, Lord, I don't want to get too much bigger. <laughs> I want to do as much as we can. But it's not necessarily my goal to have the biggest church in America. Because, um, boy, that's, it's rough on people. And, but some people, they want that power. They want those people under them. And this rich man, he should have been satisfied with what he had, but he wasn't. In verse 21, uh, verse 20, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. God called this man a fool because his priorities were way off. He wasn't serving the God of Israel. He was serving the God of money, the God of power, and they did nothing for him. He got everything he could from them. And he dies way before he was expecting to die. And really his whole life, what did he accomplish? He left a whole bunch behind to people that were going to probably go and waste it. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a good God, folks. Also, we see in Proverbs chapter 7, go to Proverbs chapter 7, another God that is absolutely horrible to his people. And listen, I'm not, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be judgmental here. I'm not trying to pick on people. But if, I tell you, you can, what this God does to people, Physically, I mean, you can see it all over their faces. It's it's just everywhere. It's all over them, and he is brutal to his people. And that's the God of lust. In Proverbs chapter seven, we see a story. We're not going to read the whole chapter of a young man, a simple one, one who was void of understanding, did not realize what he was doing. He went and he foolishly is walking in the same street in the, of a strange woman. And that strange woman, she gets him. She entices him. He goes into her house. And the Bible says in verse 22, He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Those The God of lust can never be satisfied. People think, hey, if I could just do this, that would fulfill what my flesh wants. No, it won't. 
Hey, I just I just want a one time. I want to see what it's like to go get drunk and to party a little bit. I promise, if you do it once, you're going to want to do it again. You're going to want to take it a little farther. If I could just try this one drug, I just I just want to get high one time. I want to see what it's like. You won't be satisfied once you start that. It is so hard to get out of it because our wicked flesh, it just desires bad things. And you're going to keep wanting more. And you're going to keep wanting more. And it's going to get greater and greater. And it will get you to a point. And you can see folks out there that have, they're going after every lust of the flesh and what it does to them. I mean, you look at what drugs physically does to people. It is devastating. Why would people serve that God? Why would people give all their money to that God? Look what it does to people. I mean, it's it doesn't make sense. But yet people will leave the will of God to go after these gods of lust. I mean, even just the, the physical things that are taking place between people. Some of the diseases and things that come from it. What it does to people, it's absolutely... I mean, like you can't even talk about it in church. It's absolutely horrible. It's absolutely disgusting. And people will go after that and just do horrible, disgusting things. And you know what? Their lusts aren't fulfilled. They just get more and more perverted. And it, it destroys them physically. It absolutely destroys them. They're never satisfied. And then finally, it will get to the point where... They either have to check themselves into rehab and go and just... I mean, it's, it's horrible what some people have to go through just in that. Many times, they will finally just... They take too much and it kills them. It ends their life. Their God, that God is horrible to His people. Let me tell you, young person, if you're even thinking about going down that path and following that God, I challenge you to go visit some folks that have been very devoted to that God. And look what it's done to their life. It's cost them their job. It's cost them all their possessions. It's cost them their family. Go visit the people that are in rehab. Go see some of these people that have completely lost their minds. They gave it over to the gods of lust. And it's it's been horrible to them. Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Verse 29. Who hath woe? The word woe, same to me. Who hath a curse? Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Who are all these people? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I'll seek it yet again. Think about what these gods of drugs and alcohol do. It brings a curse. It brings sorrow. I mean, I've, I've talked to people that are standing there with a can of beer in their hands talking about all their woes that sometimes they'll admit has to do with that alcohol and yet they're not willing to dump it out. 
You know why? Well, I'm an alcoholic. I can't control it. And you know what? It is hard to control that stuff. But what people need to understand is that is a God that is very controlling of His followers and is brutal to them. What it does to them physically is horrible. You know, who hath wounds without cause? They get hurt for no reason. I told you before about a guy I worked with one time came into work and the whole side of his face was just all messed up. It looked like he got in a fight except it was just the one side. And asked him what happened. He was drunk. He was just walking along and lost his footing and fell and hit his face on a curb. Looked, looked terrible. It wouldn't have happened if he wasn't drunk. What did he accomplish from that alcohol? A banged up face. That's all it got him. I mean, it, I've heard the stories of people, what they have gotten from that. That God is horrible to his people. And yet, we've got, and there's so many verses against it in the Bible, and yet, sadly, fundamental Baptists, we're one of the only religions that are totally against all alcohol. I mean, we're about it. And that blows my mind. Us and the Mormons. It's like, what? How can, how is that the, we're the only ones? Why aren't all the religions against this stuff? Why not is society itself against this stuff? I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know why we have to try to even convince, I don't even know why we need scripture to keep people away. This God is horrible to its followers. It's absolutely horrible, but people are turning from the true God to go after that God all the time. And then also we see the gods of entertainment. Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse one and two. Listen, I, you know, I, not, there's nothing wrong with, I guess, certain entertainment and a little bit of it. But let me, I, let me understand: you can never be satisfied. It says in Ecclesiastes two, verse one. This is Solomon. Solomon tried it all. He said, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. That's, I guess, another word for entertainment. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what do with it? It didn't do him any good. It didn't bring him happiness. I mean, he got a little momentary pleasure. He probably had some laughter. But when he went to bed at night, there was no fulfillment. He didn't feel any better about himself. It hadn't improved his life any. And I'm telling you, with the gods of the God of entertainment, it cannot be satisfied. I mean, proof of that. Look how big our TVs are getting. I mean, they're getting bigger and bigger all the time. I mean, clearer, high definition. I mean, pretty soon you're going to have like a little. You're going to have to have a whole room. And it's all going to be like virtual, where you're right in the middle of the whole movie. And I mean, it's just people. They I mean the video games that they have now are so realistic. And people will spend hours and hours every time a new video game console comes out. I mean, there's people out there that will wait in line for hours to be the first one to get one. I remember I watched a thing on uh, on the news one time, and they weren't making fun of these people. All right, and that's probably because I think it was Xbox. They probably were using this to promote themselves. But these guys had drove all the way from the East Coast. To California, so there was there was going to be these early releases, the first Xbox going out, and they wanted to be the first one to get one. They drove all the way across country to go. I think it was the Xbox 360 when it came out, 
to be the first ones to buy it. They bought all these games and everything, and they had a, whole, a TV and everything all set up in their car so they could take turns playing it while they were driving all the way back cross country. And I don't even know how much earlier they got it than everybody else. I mean, it might have been literally a couple days. <laughs> I mean, by the time they got back home, they probably were at Walmart and they could they could have gotten them. But I mean, just that addicted to entertainment. And you know what? I think Xbox has got something else coming out now. And that thing, they're probably going to go wait in line for that one because that one's not going to be good enough anymore. People, they can't. They, it's not good to its people. You know how many people are. I mean, young people especially, they're the ones that are really loyal followers of this God that can't even hang on to a job because they can't stay away from their video games long enough. They can't get through school because you can't do homework and play video games for six hours a day. It's just not going to happen. But they'd rather play the video games. They won't get a job. They'll live at, they'll live at home with their parents forever and won't even try because they want that God of video games. And let me tell you something... There are much better things out there that the world has for you. And that there are much better things that the Lord has than just video games and entertainment. But people, those guys aren't good to their people. They're, they are terrible to them. And the truth is, if we follow other gods, then whenever that time comes where we really need a true God, God's going to tell us to call on them. And you know what they're going to do for us? They're going to do the same thing they do for everybody else. Nothing. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Last verse I want to read. Deuteronomy chapter 32. You say, no, God, God won't do that. Listen, you know, there comes a point where we can push God a little too far. There's a lot of verses I can give you on that, but I want to read this one to you in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. It says, uh, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. For the Lord shall judge His people and repent Himself for His servants when He seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. And He shall say, Where are their gods? Their rock in whom they trusted, which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Basically saying, where are those gods that was taking everything they had? They were given their offerings. They were given their sacrifices. Where are they when they really need them? It says, let them rise up and help you and be your protection. See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. Notice they said, where are their gods? Those ones they were given their sacrifices to. Hey, when you, whenever you need God, why don't you call on that God of alcohol that all your money has gone to? Those God of drugs and entertainment that all your possessions, all your time has gone to those gods and they will do nothing for you when it, when it comes down to it. Do absolutely, they can't do nothing. They can't heal you of a sickness that you have. They can't put marriages back together. They can only tear apart. They can only destroy your life. It's the God Himself. He's the only one that can fix marriages. He can only, He's the only one that can fix health problems you might have in your life or just spiritual problems in your life. He's the only one that can save your soul. And we don't, God's saying here is like, where are, where are your gods? And I guess what I want, what I challenge you to do 
is whenever you're tempted to go after these other gods, whenever you're tempted to leave the will of God because you're pursuing some of these other things, just look at its most loyal followers and what it's doing for them. It's doing absolutely nothing. In fact, or it's doing horrible things to them. It's destroying their lives. And what we got to do is just look and say, you know what? There's no contest here. Look what the true God is doing for His people. Look at the victory that He's given and the lives. You know, think of somebody that is a good example for you as a Christian and how God has blessed them and helped them. And pursue that God. Don't pursue the God that's only destroying His people. Pursue the true God. Why keep trying what has never worked? All these things we've talked about, people have been pursuing these things since the beginning of time and it has never worked for them. Yet for some reason, we think it will work for us. These gods will be good to us. Remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they worshipped the golden calves. That was the God of the Egyptians that their God had just destroyed the Egyptians. When it was with the Egyptians' God and their God, their God had just kicked the can of their gods. But you know what? Let's worship the gods of the people that just got defeated. They did it then too. And they got in big trouble. And you'd think they'd learn their lesson. But years later, Jeroboam, when he was king, did the same thing. Hey, I don't want them going over to Jerusalem to worship. Otherwise, they're going to want to follow the king of Judah. You know what? I'm going to make two golden calves. Maybe it'll be better if we have two golden calves this time. Maybe they'll actually have some power. No, it wasn't able to do anything either. It got them in trouble again. It makes no sense. And we've got to just we've got to learn to say no to those things and just keep pursuing the only thing that has ever worked, and that's following the one true God. So with that, let's stand together, our heads bowed and eyes closed.